It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of the murder of children, child sexual abuse materials, and other disturbing topics. For some time now, we've been privately speculating about journalist Barbara McDonald's interview with Kagan Klein. McDonald is the journalist behind Down the Hill, a podcast covering the Delphi murders, and she works for HLN. We also know that she got an exclusive jailhouse interview with Kagan Klein back in December of 2021. Recently, viewers got to see a few moments of footage from that interview on a frustratingly slim HLN segment. Getting to see just a fraction of the talk was frustrating because we're so curious about what Klein said to McDonald. Well, today, the speculating ends. While checking out the latest records on Klein, 
Kevin found a transcript of the videotaped interview that Klein gave to McDonald on December 9th, 2021. And we're going to tell you all about it. My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And this is The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast. Anya and I connected over the Burger Chef murders, a 1978 unsolved case involving the killings of four young restaurant employees. Now we're looking to track restaurant homicides. To help us understand the patterns of these crimes, we created a spreadsheet of nearly a thousand eatery-related killings, The Murder Sheet. We'll be drawing on that data throughout Season 1 to give you a deep dive into undercovered crimes. We don't just rely on skimming the headlines. We dive into these cases to bring you in-depth coverage. We're the Murder Sheet. And this is The Delphi Murders, a reaction to Barbara McDonald's interview with Kagan Klein. Before we delve into this update, just as a refresher, the Delphi murders refers to the double homicide of two young girls, Liberty German and Abigail Williams, in the city of Delphi, Indiana. The two friends were enjoying a stroll along Delphi's Monon High Bridge on February 13, 2017. Then, they were approached by someone, a man. Libby managed to capture his voice on her phone. Police believe that the man you just heard killed Libby and Abby. To this day, no one has been charged with the crime. But on December 6, 2021, Indiana State Police released a video linking a 27-year-old man named Kagan Klein to the case. It's time to lay our cards on the table. We heard from a source close to the Delphi murder investigation that detectives are looking hard at Kagan Klein's father, Jerry Anthony Klein, a.k.a. Tony Klein. We told you quite a lot about Tony Klein and his criminal record in our previous episode focusing on the Delphi case. Well, the taped interview with Klein's son contains a number of moments that gel with what we've heard about the case. We're going to run through some of those moments without a script. We'll read the transcript to you, and we'll just react to Klein's words. Before we get started, the reason we don't have a script for this is because we literally just found it. So we're sort of reacting to this and trying to get you all the news as quickly as we can, essentially. Why don't we go to page four, line seven. So I will be reading Barbara McDonald's questions and Kevin will be uh, responding with Kagan Klein's answers. So Barbara McDonald asks... 
Has anyone else had access to this Anthony Schatz login? I mean... Information? I lived with my dad, but I don't know. Do you think your dad could have been accessing that profile? Yeah, I do. Do you think that your dad could be involved in... No. What happened to Abby and Libby? No, because I was with him that day. So you were both at home in Peru, Indiana? Yeah, yeah, I lived with him. Okay. Yeah. So you know that he didn't have anything to do with the murders? Right. But you think he may have been using the profile to talk to girls? Yeah, that's the only other person that could have, because he lived there, you know what I mean? So you guys had all access to the same electronic items? Right, yeah. So this is really interesting, because (laughs) we basically heard from a source close to the investigation that Tony Klein is being looked at pretty intensely right now. In, in, the, in the case of the murders of Abby and Libby. So McDonald asking Klein directly this kind of indicates that our source was correct, essentially. There's this sort of understanding and this picture kind of coming into view that both Klein men, when they were living together, sort of had the same electronics and possibly could have accessed one another's uh, accounts, essentially. And that Kagan Klein was not necessarily the only person who could have messaged girls or preyed on people from the Anthony Schatz account that everyone's focusing on. I think that's unusual for most people. Most people, at least, you know, unless they're working on a business page or something, are not sharing their social media login with others. But in this case, sounds like that might have been happening or, you know, accounts were being left open on electronics that were around the house and... This was more of a a commons situation. I'm just curious as to why McDonald chose not to share her seeming knowledge about who the real target of the investigation is. This seems like a really big scoop for Barbara McDonald. So I'm curious about that, too. Uh, I wonder if there were conversations behind the scenes with police who maybe asked her not to reveal certain pieces of information. But then I'm sort of baffled as to why police, you know, put up this transcript today. Let's get back to the uh, transcript. So why do you think investigators are putting so much focus on you right now? I have not a clue because they, I think it's because they said I was the last person to talk to her is what they've told me. Oh, and then she shows up at the bridge and they're abducted and later found dead. Right. And that was not you. No, 100% no. They have my GPS the whole day. And how do they have your GPS for the whole day? From your phone? Well, from my phone, yeah. Okay. They can't. I don't know how they do it, but yeah. And he's shown me. He's shown me that day all my GPS locations. You know what I mean? And none of them were in Delphi? No, not even close. Do you think investigators are thinking that your dad could be involved with the murders? Well, I know about two Fridays ago, or it was, yeah, I think it was two Fridays, three Fridays ago, they raided him. And I'm not sure what it was about or what. But on the news, I saw them show the house, and then his neighbor uh, talked to the police and said, or talked to the reporter, and said uh, that he was raided. But I've tried to contact him. He won't contact me back, so I don't know. So what is your relationship like today? We, uh, today, with my dad, uh, we're... Yeah. We don't talk at all. But up until... And why is that? I don't know. Up until about two, three weeks ago, he would talk to me every day come out and view me at the visit or have a visit with me all the time. Mm-hmm. 
few times a week. He'd put money on my books. I mean, we would talk every day almost. And so he has been sort of ghosting you then? Yep. Since? Yep. The last, what, two weeks? Yeah, yeah. Since that raid on his yeah. house? Yeah. Does that sound to you like he's scared? I I would think, because I have no reason why. Do He wouldn't talk to me, you know what I mean? I'm his only child. I mean, we had a great relationship. Do you think he's the type of person who could have killed these girls? I don't think so, because I was with him, you know what I mean? So I know it wasn't him. But in his past, he's had, like, he's beaten up his ex-wife. I mean, he's held guns to us as when we were kids, you know what I mean? Like, he's not really a great person, you know what I mean? So he's been violent. Yeah. In? Definitely, yeah. All right. So there's a couple of things there. First of all, uh, it's important to remember that when the police talk to suspects or anyone, they're allowed to lie. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, we don't know how much stock we can put in anything Kagan says. But, and these are two big ifs. Yes. If the police were telling him the truth, and if he is accurately reflecting what they told him, then it would appear as if it is possible the police have GPS information which would clear Kagan from direct involvement in the actual murders. Yes, and and regarding and regarding GPS information from his phone, I would wonder, are they just tracking where the phone literally is or where the phone is being actively used? Because it's one thing to leave your phone at your house or in your car because you're going to go commit a heinous crime. And it's another thing if, you know, you're doing calls and texting people and that is placing you far away from the crime scene. And that's what I imagine they have, because otherwise... You could make the argument that, you know, all it shows is that the phone wasn't there. I mean, this is yet another time where Barbara McDonald is bringing up um, Tony Klein, Kagan's dad. And it's interesting to get some more information about uh, Tony Klein. Uh, Kagan is saying that Tony is violent. He seems to be saying that Tony held a gun on him when he was a kid. He says Tony's not a great person. I mean, this is a person who's only child is imprisoned now on a pretty heinous charge and he has been visiting him and the connection has been there until police raid his house and i think this really is a chilling detail because when you look at tony klein's facebook everything seems to be totally hunky-dory he's engaging with people he's you know posting about different things in his life and you would think that this was a man without a care in the world based on the way he portrays himself on social media so it's almost like it's it, the the reality it, it's like he cuts his son off and then starts acting like everything's fine i mean of course everyone does on social media to a certain extent but that really struck me let's continue with the transcript and let's go down to uh, line 11 on that same page great let's see interesting So, has your father ever stopped communicating with you before this? No. When I got arrested uh, in August 19th, 2020, he didn't talk to me for about five months. And then just one day, I, I think it was April, he just started talking to me again. Yeah, I mean, my whole life, we've always had a great relationship, my whole life. Besides when I was... And, and... A kid, you know. Who and what do you mean besides when you were a kid? Was he abusive? 
Yeah. Yeah. Real bad. In what way? Physical and emotional. A lot. Pretty much emotional my whole life. So how? And and so tell me about the 13th. What were you guys doing all day that you know for sure he was with you the whole day? Well, he doesn't work on month Saturdays and Mo- or Sunday and Mondays. So we would always just hang out at the house, go to my grandparents. But I remember that day we watched a wrestling pay-per-view that night and and he was at my grandparents with me around 5 and 6 and then the rest of the night. But he usually sleeps, you know, because he works third shift, so Okay. He normally sleeps until about 1 or 2, and then we wake up, get lunch, you know, stuff like that. Okay, and so you know that he was with you from 1 or 2 Monday the 13th? Right. Throughout the evening? Right, right. Do you want to keep going, or do you just want to do the Tony parts? We can cut it off. Um, So we know that Tony Klein works at the Kokomo Transmission Plant, which is a Chrysler plant up there, and if he works third shift, that is the night shift, that is the graveyard shift, that's typically from around midnight to the early hours of the morning. So... When people have been talking about the Delphi case and talking about how how could the killer have been out there on a Monday and not been missed from work, I've often wondered if it could have been somebody working a graveyard shift. So yes, and so it's very interesting to learn that Tony Klein was working the graveyard shift at that time. Uh, it's also interesting to me that Kagan claims that Tony both physically and emotionally abused him. Yes, and it sort of seems to be sketching out a dynamic between father and son that's interesting because he's on the one hand saying they have this great relationship, this tremendous relationship, but then everything he's saying about it sounds horrifying. Yes, it sounds like a nightmare. Uh, And you can imagine, and we're speculating here obviously because we don't know these men, but you can imagine in in the case of a father and son where there's physical abuse, emotional abuse, lifelong abuse... Um, that's going to put the father in the position of power over the son, even well into his adulthood, potentially. The, like, the psychological ramifications of that are pretty intense. And, and I also note that, um, unless I'm looking at this transcript wrong, you have Kagan basically saying, I know for a fact he couldn't have done the murders. When, but when Barbara McDonald says, well, so you saw him from one to two onward, he says yes. But Basically, the only really anchor point that we're having from Kagan, it sounds like it's later in the evening. Watching or visiting the the grandparents, and I don't know when, generally speaking, I don't know when wrestling pay-per-view is on, but uh, typically isn't that in the evenings? Because people who watch pay-per-view probably work during the day. He's, he's, um, he's basically talking about the night of... Yeah, so this doesn't really sound like he is providing uh, all that wonderful an alibi for Tony Klein, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, it seems to be a lot of generally he's not awake at this time. And I don't know, maybe there's maybe maybe the this is a short interview. I mean, they're kind of going through a lot of points very quickly, understandably, given that it's an exclusive and McDonald wants to get all this information. But at the same time. I don't want to say conclusively that they have nothing for, for, you know, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m., but that's not specified here. Why don't we go to page 13, line 15. What would you like to ask your father right now? Uh, um, really, I just, I texted him the other day and just asked, like, why are you believing everyone over your own son? You know what I mean? Like, I don't got, he's my, 
I'm his only son or and daughter. I'm an only child is like, why are you just giving up on me over nothing? Well, I mean, I get it's not over nothing, but why? We were fine two weeks ago, and then they raid you, and it's like, now you're not going to talk to me? A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes, like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises, are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roeco slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roeco slash msheet. That's ro.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So why do you think Tony Klein's behavior changed after this raid? And again, this is the raid that, according to Kagan, must have happened in either late November or early December of Mm -hmm. 2021. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, So Klein himself was arrested in in 2020. So Mm -hmm. he's been he's been imprisoned for quite some time at this point. Um, Could the raid have been sort of indicating that investigators are looking very closely at Tony Klein and whether or not he's uh, guilty or innocent, I guess that would be a pretty alarming realization. I still think that most parents wouldn't (laughs) abandon their kid to that degree, though. Uh, Also, if you want to play devil's advocate... If we speculate wildly and assume that Tony Klein has something to hide, wouldn't we assume that Kagan might know what it is that Tony wants to hide? And wouldn't it be in Tony's interest to keep on good terms with his son? Unless you're so convinced 
that your son would not rat you out, I guess. Um, no, but I mean, generally, yes, you'd want to keep people who could destroy you closer. I think it's also interesting. I mean, when someone's imprisoned, they do not have the expectation of privacy as would your standard citizen on the streets. Is that correct? Yes. So calls, uh, written communications, even just visits, I imagine, could you could expect to be monitored by prison authorities or jail authorities, and there'd be nothing you could do about it. And if you're paranoid, whether or not you did something bad or not, you know, perhaps it's just easier to cut off contact with your son, and it sounds like that's actually something he's done before, so you're perhaps just going back to that old mode of being out of caution. I won't have us read out the whole transcript, but at one point, uh, Klein actually says that he has not really followed the case of Abby and Libby. He's not, he's not like, kept up to date with their their murders, which is interesting. I mean... What do you make of that? I mean, it's such a... It's... it's the, uh, up in that region of Indiana, such small communities, you know? Um, so, I, I mean, but then again, I think, you know, sometimes we put an outsize, we have a different perspective on that case because we are follow true crime and we're based in Indiana, so obviously it's very much on our radar, so I don't necessarily want to read too much into that. I just thought it was interesting. Just it's, since it was a local case for him. You want to read the part that seems to be a reference to us? Yeah, sure. Let's go to page 19, line 7. Um, So there is a podcast that's been released where one of your friends supposedly talked to a podcast host and said you were into all kinds of dark things. You were out on the dark web. Um, Is that true? No. Dark things? What? Well, I mean, you know, so to some people, child pornography would be a, a dark thing. Um, Yeah, but I didn't discuss any of that with my friends or nothing like that. Okay, so, but that was something you and your father both shared. You knew that about him. He knew that about you. I wouldn't say that he knew that about me. I wouldn't, because he told the officers that he didn't know. So, I don't know. Into child pornography? Right. And how long have you known that about your father? I mean, I can remember being around 20 years old and him having sex with one of my friends that was underage. I was about 19, I'd say, and she was about 17. Oh, yeah, and he's a grown man. He is, he's in his 40s probably by then. Do you know what age he prefers? I do not, no. But he likes young women. Right. And he has been violent with some of those women. Yeah, his ex-wife, yeah. He's been to jail over beating her up, yeah. And does he have any substance abuse problems? Um, I mean, I know he takes prescription pills. I'm not sure if he's abusing them or not. I don't, that I don't know. Does he drink alcohol or use any drugs? Not anymore, but I know he used to. Yeah. Okay. Okay, boom. So that section starts out by what I, I suspect is a reference to uh, the murder sheet. Wow, that's wild. That's not something that we expected to see when we read this document. Yes, uh, she seems to be referring there to an interview we did with uh, Dylan back in December. Dylan mm-hmm. is somebody who considered himself at one point to be one of Kagan's friends. He talked about Kagan seeming to have an interest in the dark web. Yes, I think that was less of Dylan saying, oh, I've seen him on the dark web and more of saying that Kagan was claiming to have all these connections and, you know, being into drugs and being into dark web stuff. 
And so I think the question uh, seems to have confused Kagan because Dylan wasn't saying, I personally knew he was into child sexual abuse materials. In fact, Dylan did not know that. Uh, and Kagan seems to be taking it for granted that that's what Dylan was saying. So I think uh, Barbara McDonald kind of confused Kagan with that question. Right. And I, but I think it's also, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Dylan, when we talked to him, seemed like such a credible, open guy. You know, so we, 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 we very much believe in, in the veracity of what he told us. But also his story is borne out by Kagan's own social media presence, where it contains all these lies, but all these cool jobs he had in Vegas. And, you know, within this transcript, you know, you have McDonald asking Klein about Vegas and him basically, you know, he couldn't get a job there. So, you know, I, I think... Having this young man sort of be bragging on all these different sort of connections. I don't think from what Dylan said, it wasn't as if Klein was talking about being into dark stuff in terms of like um, child sexual abuse materials or preying on young girls. It was more of like he was talking about like doing dark web stuff, perhaps. And who knows if that's true. He seems pretty caught off guard by it, so I almost would be inclined to say that it's probably not true. This does not seem like the most sophisticated person in the world to me. And I feel like you'd have to have that technical know-how in order to really start getting into dark web things. But maybe not. Maybe he's just concealing that or, or who knows. And then there was some talk about uh, Tony Klein that, again, I found interesting uh, Kagan is saying that he knows that Tony is interested in underage girls. He even describes a statutory rape. Yes. So that is uh, disturbing, in my opinion. Very disturbing. And especially when you consider that Tony Klein, at least by all accounts on his social media feed, seems to be a quite popular man locally and has friends and has people sort of who think fondly of him. And it, it seems like at least according to his son, that the behind-the-scenes story was a lot darker than the face he was putting out to the community. Yes, it seems very apparent that people in Peru, Indiana, never really knew the real Tony Klein. Let's go to line 10 on page 21. And, I mean, I know you say he was with you that day, but would your father be capable of going out and walking this bridge and killing two girls? Would he physically be capable of doing that? Yeah, yeah. He hunts, and he's got to pull out deer. So, I mean, yeah. I would think he would be capable of doing it. But, yeah. But you know he was with you. Yeah. So, what what do you make of that exchange? It seems like Kagan is almost all but saying... He, he, he kind of... It seems like with Kagan, the one quibble that he keeps raising is that he's pretty sure his dad was with him that day. But we've not seen any sort of specifics about the the early afternoon. There's no, yes, we went to McDonald's at 1 p.m. and then we walked the dog at 2. It's all, he was with me, he was with me, but the only specifics are later in the day. And so I think it's very interesting that with with the exception of that, in every respect, he's basically answering positively to McDonald's repeated questions around, could your father do this? Yes, he has the physical capability. 
Yes, he has the interest in young girls. Yes, he has access to my different technological devices. Yes, yes, yes. He was with me. I know he didn't do it. But in every other aspect, guys, he's your guy. Let's go to line three on page 22. Do you feel like they're trying to get you to pin this on your dad? Yes. Yes, I do. And that's probably why he's not speaking to you? Right. Because when I first got arrested, they told me that they knew it was my dad. And if I did, if I tell them, all my charges will be dropped. They told you that last year? Like, go, like, like, go. Not dropped, but go away. Pretty much is what they said. And they told you that last year when you were arrested? Yeah, August 19th. Interesting. So what do you make of that exchange? But first, uh, before you answer, I'll tell you that uh, the source we had uh, got in, gotten information from uh, told us that Tony was the focus and that police were trying to get Kagan to basically flip on his father. And that is essentially what Kagan is confirming there. Yes, this confirms exactly what our source told us. And so I think that's we knew that our source was credible, obviously, but it's. This is sort of interesting to sort of see that confirmed just by what the suspect in this case is talking about. Yeah, I think... I think this is pretty conclusive in that in that respect. I think the Indiana State Police at least seems to think that Tony Klein is a very viable suspect in the murders of Libby and Abby. Now, my opinion with stuff like this is that it's all well and good for police to suspect someone. Let them prove it in, in court. Let them prove it at trial. That's what matters, ultimately. But in a case where there's been so much innuendo and whispers and speculation and people posting these dumb side-by-sides on Reddit and YouTube and, and just kind of, this is actually concrete information about what the police feel. So we don't need to, we don't need to... We don't need to read the bones like soothsayers anymore. We are hearing this from Kagan Klein himself at this point. What do you make of the... Uh, this is something that you've said, Kevin, though. I mean, because again, we all... It's its very tempting to not read into what the police have said over the years and sort of look into that. You know, would you say that Tony Klein, the father of this uh, person who's been linked to the case, um, potentially being the main focus, does that fit with what certain things police have said when they were discussing this case recently. In my opinion, it does. When we got this information from our source, I remember we we talked about how suddenly a lot of the comments the police had made over the years about this case, especially the comments they'd made in the last three or four months, they had confused us those comments suddenly fell into place and we understood what was happening behind the scenes. And I feel that what we've read in this interview transcript tends to confirm that even further. Agreed. Agreed. So where can people find these documents if they want to look through them? We will be putting these documents in the murder sheet discussion group. And we'll be redacting them um, to, you know, cut out potential identifying information about victims and addresses and things like that. But all we ask, if you use them, just please cite us and tell people where you got them. But, uh, you know, stay tuned for more Delphi coverage. It seems like a lot of stuff is happening in this case right now. 
So quick addition, once we stopped recording, we went back to the uh, website where Kevin found these documents, and uh, we learned something interesting. There was a note uh, posted today that two items had been erroneously publicly posted and had since been removed. So it was just by sheer luck that I happened to visit the court website during the short time when both those entries were posted. Uh, The first of those was the transcript of the interview with Barbara McDonald, which we've discussed in this episode. And there is another transcript there, which we are going to go through and post soon. We just wanted to explain how we got these and to explain that if you go looking for them on the public website of the court system, they're not there anymore. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. As always, thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenlee, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at MSheet Podcast, or by searching Murder Sheet. If you enjoy listening to The Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure. And send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.